Occupation Nation is supported by Sunny Sense Wax. Sunny Sense Scoopable Wax offers the best scoopable wax at an affordable price. If you want your house to smell clean, fruity, beachy, or even like a bakery, head over to etsy.com slash shop slash sunny sense wax. They offer many scents. They even have one that smells like Fruit Loops. It smells so good. Go over to etsy.com slash shop slash sunny sense wax. And also be sure to use the coupon code ONATION10. That's right. You get a discount. ONATION10. So head over there and get you some today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Occupation Nation podcast. I'm your host, Zach Horvath, and today on the show, we are talking to J.R. Gillette about what it means to be a sales engineer. We talk about what kind of schooling does that mean. We also try to answer some of the questions of what exactly is a sales engineer? Like, how does that compare to a manufacturing engineer or a quality engineer? And J.R. also tells a very interesting story about how he realized that he was truly meant to be a salesman. So listen in for that. Thanks so much to our Patreon supporters, Julie and Austin. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Be sure to subscribe and review the show. This really helps us out as well as letting me know how things are going. So with all that done, let's get into the interview. J.R. Gillette, and I am a sales engineer for Advanced Control Solutions. Back when you are a senior in high school, was what you're doing now kind of an idea of what you wanted to do back then? Kind of. Okay. I, I, I would say that I, when I was in high school, I had the idea of being an engineer. Okay. Now, what am I doing currently is nothing what I thought I would be doing. So I right. guess in, in some regards, no. Okay, but engineering was your path that you saw yourself take. It is. So when you decided to go to college, where did you go to college? Tennessee Tech. All right, and what's your major? Electrical engineering. How's that? How's tech? Tech was the greatest six and a half years of my life. You know, you know, Zach, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a pretty bright guy. Mm. I did in six and a half years what most people can do in four. Yeah, yeah, hey. It takes talent, right? I mean, you, not everybody can say that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so, what are some of the classes you took as an electrical engineer? What electrical engineering classes specifically did you get into? Electrical specifically, I guess you know the more um, common classes would be your circuits, power. Um, I had a class called signals, which was about um, wave propagation across different medium, you know, telecommunications, things of that nature. Sounds cool. Was it was it really hard? Back then, do you remember? Or do you remember just grinding it out? The material was hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it was a grind. Um, I have a tendency to be a little bit lazy when it comes to my studies, so that probably made it a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. I feel you. Um, so you got your electrical engineering degree. What was, your ne- what was your job out of college? My job out of college was a sales engineer, which okay. is not the path most people take to get to where I am. Yeah, so – I, I know you were talking about this before, but um, how did you even know about a sales engineering job? Like, how did this come up? I mean, I, I didn't know anything about it coming out of college. I'll be honest with you. So how did this pop on your radar? 
it popped in my radar because I was fortunate enough to actually do a, a what's called a co-op in the engineering world. I think most engineering students now do either a semester um, or summer internships or even a full year internship, which is known as a co-op. Tennessee Tech was real involved in the um, co-op co-op programs across the state and actually all over the southeast, quite frankly. But um, I worked for a an automotive manufacturer up in East Tennessee. And while I was up there, I kept having these sales guys call and take me and some of my colleagues out to lunch and show us all these cool products that they had to sell. Well, all of a sudden, that piqued my interest. I said, you know what? I think I could probably do that, and I think I'd enjoy it. And uh, that's, that's how I ended up getting my job was as soon as I graduated, I'd given myself um, the opportunity to do three things. It was going to be one of these three things. I was either going to be a sales engineer, an intellectual property attorney, or I was going to go and to OCS and become a uh, uh, join the Navy as, wow. as an officer. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, looking back over my entire life, I look at everything that I've done has kind of led me to being involved in some form of sales. Um, I lived. I grew up in a in the suburbs of Nashville. That's where I grew up. Uh, and in between Hermitage and Mount Juliet. And I remember as a kid, I'd get on my little red bike right around my neighborhood and uh, listen to, uh, at the time, I think um, Bon Jovi had just come out with Slippery When Wet. This was 1986. That used to be my jam. I would put it on my Walkman right around the neighborhood. It's a good jam. It is a good jam. Great, great album. If you don't have it, I would highly recommend uh, looking into it. But anyway, um, I remember I got the opportunity to buy a Voltron robot that I saw in a Toys R Us catalog. And I had an allowance as a kid, but it was going to take me quite a while to figure out how to save up to get this Voltron robot. Well, I took it upon myself to go around the neighborhood and just go door to door and ask if they had little odd jobs for me to do. And lo and behold, a couple people took me up on it. I remember one of the first paid, quote, paid jobs I had was picking rocks out of some dude's yard. Now, this was the 80s. It was probably a bad idea to send your kid out door-to-door uh, -to -door asking people to have jobs for you. But the roots were there. The roots were there. I, you know, I would not recommend sending your kids out or having, you know, uh, recommending it in this day and age. <laughs> However, this, you know, this was a different time. But anyway, um, and I can't remember. I may have made 5 bucks or 10 bucks. Well, anyway, I was able to save them, be able to. But the fact that you're working with someone you have no idea who they are, you were working, and your hard work is getting paid back with cash money with cash money and i was able to buy that robot it was the worst uh, <laughs> expenditure of money i have ever had the robot only went forward backward and to the right that was all it did and it didn't do it on carpet which that's all i had in my house <laughs> so you just had to look at it except uh, for the the tile it, laminate in our in my uh, little kitchen yeah yeah so it was the worst uh expenditure i've ever made which was a valuable lesson by the way for those of you who are in the in the uh, uh market for voltron robots yeah um but but it gets better so even like i think in fourth grade i determined that i, I like to draw a lot and me and one of my buddies decided i would make a little fake tattoo uh booklet and sell it to people on the playground i'd go out and draw tattoos on people and i had a booklet of various things that I had drawn and they had varying um, levels of complexity and you paid for it. 
And so on the playground, I would go out there and charge a quarter for an anchor tattoo or 10 cents for a mom tattoo. And I made money doing this on the playground. Going then, you know, two or three years later, I'm in uh, junior high and um, I realized I could buy a box of tear jerkers from Sam's Club. The sour things? Yeah, they're sour and they're awesome, by the way. I could spend five cents on a tear jerker and sell it for a quarter, which I did for a few months until the administration um, <laughs> uh, let me know that I cannot be selling things out of my backpack in the junior high. It's highly frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But I made a little bit of money. So <laughs> yeah, I look back over my, my life, and it's like everything I've done has led to this. I was fortunate enough to get a uh, to get a job interview out of school with a with a company. It's actually a very good company, Japanese automation manufacturer who typically hires kids out of school. And I got on with them where they trained me extremely well and uh, ended up joining their biggest competitor. Hmm. Well, it's business, right? Um, how would you compare what you're doing now to what you did in your co-op? N they're nothing alike. Hmm. The co-op prepared me for being able to view my job as a salesman through the lens of my customers. At the end of the day, when you're in manufacturing engineering, you're getting pulled in multiple directions, but usually it's just to make a good quality product as efficiently and as cost effectively as possible. And so if you keep all those things in mind and recognize that that's what your end user, that's what your customer, that's their point of view, you can tailor your solutions to try to meet those needs and see it from their point of view as opposed to just trying to cram product down their throat. Right, and that's a key of being successful, would you say, in your role it, it now? It is for me. Yeah, I, I think that any any form of sales, if you're not looking at it from the point of view of your, of your customer, you're probably missing the point. I don't know that you will be successful on So let, let's talk about that. How do you deal with this idea of a sales guy stigma? Well, there is a stigma, and... Um, I hate to, I hate, this is going to, I'm just going to throw a stereotype out and I had it and I think it's unwarranted, but the stereotype exists and forgive me if anybody out there has this profession, but I think most people, when they think of the sales guy, they think of the used car salesman, you know, the guy who's going to do whatever he can to make the dollar and you may not see him again. It's, you know, once he gets the order, he's gone. Um, and that was my biggest fear coming from an engineering standpoint where, you know, everything's methodical, thought out, uh, you, you come up with precise solutions and you're really not thinking about anything other than getting from point A to point B. Um, I had the, I guess the preconceived notion that most sales guys were probably a little bit sleazy. And at least in this profession, it couldn't be farther from the case. Uh, most of the people that we deal with are professionals. I like to think of myself as a professional um, sales engineer. Now, with that being said, are there bad apples in the group? Yeah, sure. I've run across a few, but they don't stay long. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a career. And if you if you uh, mess over your customers, you're not going to keep them long. They're not going to keep doing business with you. Everything you said aligns exactly with how I thought. Because when I started this job working with you guys, I thought of the sales guy as the guy who doesn't care about anyone but himself. And it's going to be hard to work with you guys. But from what I've seen, every sales engineer that I've worked with has known 
so much more technical aspects. They take this engineering mindset and they turn that into finding out what the best product is for their customer, which is fascinating to me because when I think of a sales guy, I think of what's best for him. That's what he thinks, but that's not how it is, at least around here. It's what's best for the customer. And so you are echoing everything I think of when I think of a sales engineer now. Well, I will say this. It's interesting whenever I look back over the course of my career is I'm actually a better engineer now having worked with all the various product lines. I'm more knowledgeable in more areas than I would have ever been if I'd just been going down one career path. You, you got to keep learning, right, to keep up. There's always something new. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost mind-numbing at times how much you have to keep up with because technology is changing, and it's changing every day. So you always got to be on it. And if you're going to be sale, selling people things and if they're going to ask questions, you need to have those answers, right? And if you don't have the answers, yeah, you're absolutely right. But if you don't have the answers, you've got to find somebody. Find, you got to find somebody who, right. who who can. And and you know what? Saying I don't know is an acceptable answer, rather than try to you know blow smoke up somebody's rear end. Because then, if they read on that, they could probably eat you up, right? You're an engineer. You know when somebody's exactly uh, when they don't know what they're talking about. It's not hard to it's not hard right. to sniff it out. Right. Okay. So now that we know kind of your history a little bit, let's go into what it actually means to be a sales engineer. So let's start on a Monday. What is your game plan for the week? I'm assuming that you're going to be meeting with customers and trying to do that, but let's start on Monday. Okay. What does it look like for you? I try to, I try to be in the office on most Mondays. It's kind of my starting point for the week. Typically what I'll do on Monday is if there's any loose ends that I didn't get taken care of over the weekend or on Friday, I like to go ahead and uh, knock those out. First thing in the morning, I usually uh, lay out, what am I going to do that week? Generally speaking, it's going to be setting up sales calls and getting quotes out that need to be sent out. And if there's any proposals or any anything like that, I just try to get all that stuff taken care of while I'm in the office. It's so much easier to take care of that in my office than it is when I'm out there on the road. So let's start with the sales calls. What do you mean by getting sales calls? What does that mean? It's actually picking up the phone, calling complete strangers, and getting them to meet with you. Once you've met with once you've got them on the phone and they've agreed to meet with you, the rest of the job, quite frankly, is cake. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's the material's easy, but it just means that the job is easy. You know, the heavy lifting is picking up the phone and calling and getting sales calls. Um, I try to set up meetings with uh, manufacturers that are within a specific location. So, for instance, uh, we're recording this here in Spring Hill. There's three or four companies here in Spring Hill that I could call and meet with um, to make myself more efficient. Okay, so when you meet with them, um, what are are you saying? Hey, uh, we have this product uh, do you, is there something I could figure out or is it a, Hey, is there anything you need me to do? Or what are some of the examples of that? Well, part of the job, as far as I'm concerned is knowing your customer. So if my customer is a tier one automotive supplier who let's say manufactures, um, seats, I'll have an idea of what kind of applications they may run into from day to day whether it be quality inspections, robotic insertion of screws, et cetera. 
I know that they have certain applications that are universal from plant A to plant Z that make seats. They all have the same applications. So I'll call, get somebody on the phone and say, hey, you know, we've got this uh, solution to be able to do whatever. And generally speaking, they either say, well, no, we don't have that application or uh, thanks, give me your contact information. I'll, I'll call you if I need you. Um, every now and then they'll say, oh, actually, yeah, we've got that exact application. Come on in. And then I'll set it up on my calendar and then um, go out and visit, look at the application, see if it's a good fit for what I sell. And if it is, I quote them, try to get the orders. And if not, uh, just tell them, hey, man, it's not a good fit. So how do you find new customers? Do you just Google, like, customers in your area and, and kind of research what they produce and, and then try to see if that fits in what you sell? I was lucky when I came to the company I'm with now um, to have been covering in the same territory for a competitor. So in my head, I already know a lot of these same customers. Um, and so I could use my past experience working with people to be able to pick up the phone and call them. Um, the, if I don't know a customer and I happen to be driving down the road and I see a manufacturing facility that I've never set foot in, I like to use Google um, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn's really good for sales professionals to sit and see who's working at certain plants. Uh, once I have that information, I just, I'll call the main desk and say, hey, can I speak with so-and-so? And they'll either say yes or no, or I'll take your information and call you back. So you have to be able to deal with, with rejection, obviously, if you're going to do this job, right? Do you get a lot of no's? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I get more no's than I get yeses, man. If you, if you can't handle a no, I would uh, highly recommend not pursuing this path. Right, right. Um, so now that we've talked about what a sales call is, let's talk about, okay, you got them. And they're gonna. There looks like something that they could use at your at their place. You got to quote them. What does that mean? Okay, um, uh, we haven't really gotten into what I sell, but the products that that I sell and the engineering services that that we provide are highly focused in um, what we consider machine vision and uh, industrial identification, as well as robotics. Um, with a high emphasis in what's uh, being dubbed collaborative robotic technology. And it's really the wave of the future. I, but So machine vision and robotics. Machine vision and robotics. Okay. That's our core competencies. That's my, that's my bread and butter. That's how I fe feed my family. Okay. Um, so I go out. I meet with a, an engineer. We go – typically one of the things we'll do is we'll go out and walk their assembly line and see how are they currently doing um, – or producing their products, what, what are the processes, what, uh, what are they using hardware-wise to do this. Um, and then I'll come back and say, okay, what, what's, what's bothering you out here? What are some things that you think you could do to either improve your quality or improve your productivity? And they'll say, this is, this is something we're struggling with. And generally speaking, I've already seen it. I've already done it. And so I can um, maybe grab parts that they make. We have a lab in our office that I can come back and do testing. Once I've done the testing, I put together what we call a bill of materials. And that bill of materials can be, uh, on the machine vision side, a camera, a lens, lighting, all the cables and you know ancillary products that go with it uh, to put on their assembly line and 
allow the inspection to take place. And um, in addition to that, we have engineering services to help program these devices and install it. Which in all uh, terms and purposes, that's where I come in. That is correct. <laughs> uh, so We have a mechanical engineer that we lean on heavily. Right. Hey, our ear is a good guy. Um, so you have this bill of materials, and do you send this to the customer? And then they look at it, and they go, oh, wow, okay. Does this give them an idea of the price? Is that at this moment? That's the price. Okay. So they get the price, and it's either yay or nay. After that. Generally speaking, there's there's usually a few iterations where we go mm. back and forth. They'll say, actually, hey, um, we can't mount this camera uh, two feet away. We need to mount it four feet away. Well, that changes right. how we want to approach it. And sometimes it can kill whether or not we can do it or not. Um, part of, you know, that's why that's what the sales engineer does. We engineer the solution and then sell it to them. Right. That is what we do. And there's times where, if the back and forth between us and the customer, um, sometimes it comes out to where, you know, we just physically can't do it. You're asking us to do this, and it's just physically not possible with the parameters you've given us. And that's where I say, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for letting me meet. But we're, we're not going to be able to quote this. And um, But, you know, for other applications, man, give me a call. All right. So now that we've talked about that, I want to get into more of the specifics of your day. So you get a lot of emails. That would be an understatement. You get so many emails, I can't believe that you get that many emails. How about that? Because you guys get a lot of emails. Um, so that's so that's a part of it, right? You got all these emails. What are in those emails? Is it questions for you? Is it, hey, uh, quote, possible like sales calls for you? What What is it? Everything. Okay. Um, getting back to the day-to-day, uh, you know, what what I do. Um, again, Mondays are my days to kind of get everything. It's a, it's a reset button for me. Monday is a reset button to get everything lined up. Tuesday through Thursday or Friday, generally speaking, I'm on the road meeting with customers. Now, during that time, people are emailing me or calling me or texting me, you know, it's not uncommon to be well into the three figures, uh, calls, emails, and texts by lunch. Um, now what does that entail? It's generally speaking, Hey, uh, can you shoot me a, a, a quote on a cable? I forgot on something. Okay. Yeah. Here you go. I'll forward it off to some in- inside sales personnel that can handle the, uh, more of the minutia, if you will. Um, a lot more of it is going to be, Hey, um, we've looked at this uh, at your proposal, and we've got a few questions on it. And that's when it, you know I've got to pick up the phone, talk them through the solution, make sure that we're on the same page. And that's the stuff that really starts eating at your time. Because if I'm on, if I'm meeting with the customers for, let's say, five hours a day, the rest of the day, you know, the five hours uh, is going to be just fielding the emails and trying to keep caught up. So you're, it's a juggling act, right? You have to keep up with your customers, but also you're trying to go out and talk to new customers, but also you have your existing customers that you're going to meet with. And at the same time, you got people calling you, asking questions about stuff. So it's a lot. It, it is a lot, um, and it's a good problem to have. I mean, if, mm-hmm. you know. It, right, right. 
With that being said, though, I look at a lot of what I do is uh, I look at my emails when I'm on the road is I, I approach it from like almost like a triage. Um, what's most critical? Um, and then I'll find what's most critical and then I'll handle those first. You have to, right? Yeah. And, and the, the reality is the ball is going to get dropped periodically. And I have found it's best just to, you know, when the ball gets dropped, just own it. Say, hey, I, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I let this slip through the cracks. Forgive me. Um, I'll try to make it right. So when you're going to someone and you're meeting with them, what does that entail? Are you are you going out? I know we, you said you go out on the line, but are there things you're looking for specifically, areas you're looking for when you go in a place? Or how, what are some of the things you see in a company you're like, you guys can use this here? Yeah, I've been doing this 13 years. So I, um, when I'm walking in assembly line, I'm, I usually carry a notebook. I've got it right here in front of me. It's an engineering competition notebook. And I sit there and make notes. Um, let's, say, let's say that I notice uh, a person that's um, just grabbing, let's say, a screw, and they're inserting it into a hole, and they're starting it for another process. Well, there's some ergonomic issues right there for that, for that person. And I make note of it. I'm like, you know, that's something we could easily automate um, and take that ergonomic issue away from that operator and let them be more productive somewhere else. Um, and I saw I'll make these little notes and whenever we get back from walking their assembly line, I'll sit down and say, Hey, I noticed this. Is that something that maybe you could benefit from automating? And many times they're like, yeah, actually we, we've been talking about it. Um, I may go in there for a specific application and walk out with four or five different ones. The hardest part is doing what you say you're going to do and, and doing it in a timely fashion. I mean, the reality is most engineers have deadlines that they have to meet for every project that they have undertaken. And I have to be responsive enough to try to get them proposals and, and quotes in a time that meets their, their deadlines. That's the hardest part is just staying on top of everything. The next hardest part is just getting started in the role of a sales engineer. When you start in a territory from scratch, you are fighting and clawing for every bit of business you can, and it can be a grind. And if you're not willing to put in the hours, you're going to fail quick. So uh, let's get into that. How many hours do you say you work a week? Ooh. Um, it, it really kind of depends. The beauty of the job is I set my own hours. I have no clock. I can work as much or as little as I want. Usually goes on the heavier side, though, doesn't it? It does. I, I hadn't really thought about it. There, there's been times where I was putting in, you know, the 70 hours a week was common. I would say now it's probably closer to 55 hours a week or so. If you're going to be successful, it's not this 9 to 5, 9 to 2 thing? Or is it a role where it's whatever what you make it? It's whatever you want to make it. Okay. Um, the reason I got into becoming a sales engineer, quite frankly – was I wanted to be rewarded for my efforts. Um, yeah, I have had jobs where whether I worked hard or whether I didn't work hard, I was getting paid the same. Well, if you're paying me, I'm going to work hard. That's, that's a non-starter. But if I'm going to work hard and the guy next to me is not going to work as hard, yet we're making the same amount, well, that just doesn't gel with me. Being in sales... You can make as much or as little as you want. And generally speaking, your compensation is going to be commensurate with the level of effort you put into it. So you're going to be 
compensated for working hard or you're going to be in trouble for sitting on your hind end. I want to know how much you travel with this job. I tr- Mileage-wise, I put between about thirty-five and 40,000 miles a year on my vehicle. Um, I'm not doing as much overnight travel as I used to, but it wasn't unreasonable to be out one or two nights a week on the road, spending the night in hotels. Is that, is that a typical thing that someone would see working in a sales engineer? It is. Um, the, the larger and more mature an organization is, typically your uh, sales territories are going to start to shrink. Gotcha. Because you keep adding more people, and so territories are getting smaller and smaller. So there's less overnight travel. And at that point, you've just got you know more consolidated customer base that's going to be closer to each other. Um, but that's pretty common. How does the pay work as a sales guy? Like, uh, do you get paid salary? Do you get paid commission? How does that work? Depends on the company. Most most of your professional sales engineers are going to be salary plus commission or salary plus bonus. Usually, is how it works. Um, there are some that where you basically work as a contractor and you get a, just paid a strict commission. And there's pros and cons to all of it. Um, I'm personally paid um, a base salary with a commission structure. Um, and I think that that works that works well for me because there's going to be lean times where, you know, I, I look back at the recession in 2008, 2009, where I'm really thankful I had that salary. Right. Because I didn't sell anything. Right. Um, so how does that work? Do you get paid? You say your salary plus commission. So you have your salary. Now, this commission, does it, is it like a normal pay where you get paid twice a month or yeah, once it, a month? Yeah, or? the salary is twice a month. Okay. And the commission's once a month. Okay. Okay. Um, and is that different for comp- different companies? Yeah, my or? previous employer, I got paid, um, I guess, bi-monthly. You know, you get a, get paid on the 15th, mm-hmm. the 30th, or the 1st and the 15th, whatever the case may be. Um, but they had quarterly bonuses. Where they would have, you would have a sales goal, you would have a growth goal, and you'd have basically a profit goal, um, and it would equate to some kind of esoteric bonus structure that they would they would pay out. Um, so if you're quarterly. looking, if you're looking to be a sales engineer, is that something that you would you you're going to have to deal with that? That's going to be how it's going to be, probably salary plus commission or just straight commission. Yeah. If someone is out there. They hear this and they go, oh, that sounds really interesting to me. What do you think should be their first step out of high school? If you want to get into sales uh, engineering, it's not required. I work with guys who are not degreed. However, I think it if you want to land with most corporate companies, you will have to have a degree. Not necessarily in engineering. There's plenty of great sales engineers who have backgrounds in business and various other um, disciplines. However, it, it, the engineering background really lends itself to fully understanding um, the products that you sell, the limitations, and understanding where your where your customers are coming from. So, is that where you say that sales engineering is different than selling clothes or or something like that? I would say so. So Absolutely. you want that engineering background? It has benefited me gr- uh, greatly. From and, yeah, from your from your view. And, and here, here's the reality. And whether it's you know fair or not, I have a lot of customers that as soon as they find out that I have a, a degree in electrical engineering, all of a sudden they go, "Oh, this is not just a sales guy. This is another engineer." They look at me as as an equal. And you know whether right or wrong, it's reality. And it 
has helped. Um, it's helped me. It's helped open doors for me. So if there's somebody in college now and they're doing engineering, they've decided, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. Why or why would they want to do sales engineering? What what if they heard this and said, okay, this sounds good? Why would they do it? It depends on the personality. There's a lot of great engineers out there who would hate to do what I do. Then there's you know people like me who are pretty bad engineers and uh, go into sales really because they know they weren't going to cut it as an engineer. Um, but no, it, it, it it's to me this is the greatest job that I could have. It really is. Okay. It is the greatest job that I could have because I get to I get to have the best of both worlds. I get to go out and see new applications every day. And I get to engineer solutions within uh, my capabilities. And then whatever I can't figure out, I let the smarter guys handle. And then I get to sell it. When you were going to be an engineer, when that kind of clicked in your head, did you, knew, did you know, like, yeah, this is for me? What, what's that moment for you where, when you were like, I have made the right decision? I knew I'd made the right decision as soon as I got my first job. Um, Whenever I, when I graduated, I, I graduated in December and I went and I, I called on like a bunch of the big names right out of school. I was going door to door. I was trying to sell myself to some of these big manufacturers. Well, I had no experience and they weren't about to, you know, hire some kid that just graduated from Cookville, Tennessee, who doesn't, who's never sold anything, you know, besides tear jerkers and uh, little drawn on <laughs> tattoos. They're not about to hire this kid. Um, but as soon as I got my first job, um, which it took about two and a half months, I'm not going to lie. I was a little, a uh, little worried about my future. Um, but when I got my first job and I went through the initial week of two weeks of training, I was like, this is it. I found what I need to do. And, um, I finished tops in my training class, which was nice. Cause I was going up against some, you know, some big schools There's a bunch of people who were hired at the same time. And I finished number one. Just sales guys, man. If you're if you're not competitive and you're in sales, you, that's a whole other thing I want to get into. Right. You've got to be competitive, right? Yes. You have to want to win. You got to be able to take no as an answer. Yes. If I have an application or I have a proposal that I that that is a better solution than my co- competitor, it eats at me until I get the the order. Um, and if I lose it, I will lose sleep. I can remember every application I've lost. So in that vein, what are some of the traits you think someone needs to have to be a sales engineer? And if they don't have them, it's probably like, all right, you might want to think twice. You need to be highly competitive. Um, because if, you, if you're not competitive, then I think the, the desire to do what it takes to be successful is just not going to be there. Because you're going to be you're going to be happy. Hey, I've got my salary. I'm okay. Well, I mean, that that's great. But if you don't want to be the best, then you probably don't need to be in sales. Um, yeah. So so you've got to be competitive. Um, but but I think you've also got to be um, aggressive in that same vein. And, and I don't mean aggressive. You don't like, mean like hateful or, no, or mean. No. You just mean aggressive in the sense that you will continue calling. If, if I call 10 people and I get 10 no's, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm going to keep going until somebody says yes. Um, so you can be aggressive, but I don't think that aggressive necessarily means that you have to portray yourself as aggressive to your, to your customers. As a matter of fact, I'm the opposite of aggressive when it comes to my actual dealings with people. 
Um, now, I'll, I'll be tenacious in trying to... That's make, a great word, tenacious. I yes, like that word. tenacity. I would mm-hmm. say that you need to have I that, like that. that character trait to be successful. And that's probably going to be in any form of sales, not just sales engineer, but just... And maybe even life in general. You're going to be more successful um, the harder you work and the more aggressive you are at, at achieving your goals. I think that's probably across the board. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I think especially when it comes to sales, because you, you're going up against other uh, solutions and, and they're many of them are just as good, but what sets you apart? And, you know, if, if you stay on top of these things and you don't let, don't let it go, you can be very successful. So now that we kind of know what you think the first step should be, you know, get an engineering background. If you're going to be in this specific sales engineer role, what what do people need to do after that? Do they need to do what you did and just go after who they want to work for? Do you think that's the next step? It's probably different now than it was whenever I started. I think when I started, social media was not like a real thing. Um, it, it, it was, but not not to the level it is now. I think back then it was maybe MySpace. Oh, yeah, MySpace. Yeah, Top that, friends, I had that. <laughs> you know, I never had a MySpace account. <laughs> Never did, um, but I was aware of it. But, but I think nowadays you, you can really get tied in with recruiters, especially on LinkedIn. Um, I, you know, I keep coming back to that, but it's, it's a legitimate tool for a career. And it's growing. It's legitimately growing year over year. It's getting big. It, it is, and it's tailored towards business. It's not, a, uh, it's not like Twitter and Facebook. It's strictly for people who are trying to advance their careers. And I think that if I were to, if I were starting now, I'd probably, while I was in college, I'd probably start looking into the recruiters in the industrial sector, and say, "Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is my skill set. Um, let me know who might be looking for, uh, you know, somebody with my qualifications." And I think that falls into any sort of engineering, not even specifically sales engineering. Like if you're in college and you're going to be an engineer, that's an answer you need to have. Or that's a card you've already need to play before you graduate, right? Yes, absolutely. You need to get your ducks in a row. Right. Um, so would you say LinkedIn is a great tool to use for doing that? I would say so. I'm sure there's other, there's other um, mm-hmm. websites and um, tools at your disposal. But for me, that's, what I would, that's where I would start. I know for me personally coming out of college, it was big for me to use LinkedIn. I mean, obviously you use Indeed and all those for actual jobs, but – to get your name out there and talk to people who you have no idea who they are and they're just a recruiter. Yeah. It was a useful tool. Um, so let me ask you, what is your, what's your idea of someone being successful? What's your idea of success? Hmm. It's different for everybody. And I want to know what your idea of success is. This is going to sound extremely vain and arrogant, but I want Let to, it be, out. I want to be number one in what I do. And that's and the only way that you can tell if you're number one is based off of sales volume. To me, that is the idea of success is that you are perennially in the top 10% of your organization. And I think that that is why you're successful. I think so. Because you want that. And in this role, it sounds like that's a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the 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 problem with that is that you can get complacent. Is if you do, let's say that you do achieve the, the, your success, it, there is a tendency maybe to become complacent and to sit back and just let people come to you. So how do you how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it hungry? 
I remember 2008 and 2009 like it was yesterday. That was not an easy time to be in this in this field because pocketbooks were closed, and you know, I, incidentally, I ended up working the hardest I've ever worked in my life were those two years, which translated once the economy started to ramp back up to being the greatest uh, period of sales at least at, at that point in time for me. Um, and I don't ever want to go back to 08 and 09. So it's always in the back of my head that if I ever take my foot off the gas ever, somebody's going to be there to pick up pace for me. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't like losing. And so I I refuse to, to sit back and get comfortable. So what would you say is your dream job? Is this your dream job? It's up there. Um, it is, like I said, I love what I do, but if I, if I were independently wealthy and let's say that tomorrow hit the lottery, and I never have to worry about a paycheck for the rest of my life. The first thing I would do would be to go out and buy the best beer brewing equipment available. And I would brew beer, and I would learn to make the best in the world. That sounds awesome. Yes. <laughs> go do it, man. Yes. I want to taste it. Yes. That what? would be my dream job, would be like a master brewer. So have you tried that out? Have you made your own beer? And yeah, I have, yeah. Um, is it hard? I don't know. It's. It, I think of uh, of all the you know spirits and wine and beer, it's probably the most difficult, but the, the reality is um, I haven't had a – I've got a kid now, and my house just is – I'm not doing it there anymore. Those day, that, that ship has sailed, and I have no place to do it, so I'm not going to you know take up what available real estate I have in my house for that kind of – hobby but that 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 would be your dream job huh oh yeah brewing some beer oh yeah what kind of what kind of beer would you brew i love uh kolsch's and porters you know anything anything that has a little bit of a malty flavor i'm not a big i'm not like an ipa guy i'm not a lager guy but i do like the the sweeter uh, maltier flavors Mm, i'm getting thirsty thinking about it i didn't i didn't expect that coming i didn't see that coming i won't lie um so what would you say some of the upsides, some of the best parts of your job are? The best part of the job is that every day is different. I get to interact with people. By nature, I'm a social. Uh, I like to interact with people. I like talking with people, um, as most salespeople are want to do. Uh, that's the, uh, the upside. I get to you know, see different applications every day. There's nothing that's the same. Um, and you know, the other upside is the fact that you, know, you, you set your own hours, you set your own schedule and your compensation is going to be commensurate with your level of effort those are the upsides Um, so on the flip side what are some of the bad parts what are some of the things that people need to look for when they're going to be a salesman the downsides it depends on where you are in your career Um, the downsides on the front end is just the grind it takes just to get a territories a sales territory up and running i mean because it can take you know uh, you're probably going to be working at least 12 hour days and weekends to get up and running successfully. Um, the downsides for me right now are, um, you know, I, I do have a family and, uh, it, it becomes, I, I find, I will, I find myself at home constantly, uh, at work, even in my head, I can be sitting there with my family and my mind is on my job. Um, that's a problem sometimes uh, I have, I can disconnect, but when it gets real busy, I tend to be. It's hard. It it's hard to leave it at the door. I take it home with me, um, and and that's and that's not just being a sales engineer. That's a lot of jobs, 
Um, but I do find myself, you know, sitting there when we're eating and I might be thinking about a project I've got to get out. And that's all that's just kind of consuming me. I, I would say another downside is the fact that even though you set your own schedule, um, you're never really not working. When I go on vacation, I take my laptop with me, and in the mornings, generally speaking, I like to make breakfast when I'm on vacation. It's just like my thing. As soon as I make my breakfast, it's me and the computer for a couple hours. On vacation, there is no vacation. Because you still have to be selling. You still have to be making your numbers, and you don't want – it goes back to the slipping through the cracks, right? You don't want things to slip through the cracks. If you, if you take a week off – there's still a week of production going on at, at manufacturing facilities. And if somebody has an application, hey, our part broke. We need you to get something out here. Yeah, I can set what we call like an out-of-office assistant on my email. But the reality is um, they, somebody's still got to take care of that. And generally, There's still a void that needs to be filled. Yeah, and I need to make sure that you know I'm not leaving anybody hanging. If I leave somebody hanging, they're going to call someone else. And you know I can't have that. So that's that's a very important piece of the puzzle there. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, you still have vacation, but you, it's you're still kind of monitoring everything. It's not like you can just cut the cord and walk away. How similar would you say that being a sales engineer is like running your own business? It's probably the closest thing you could have to running your own business, um, because at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to make. I know my, my costs, and I know what I can sell things for, and I have to maintain profitability, and. Um, make sure that not only am I paying for my expenses for myself, for my product, but also the overhead that comes with uh, inside support and things of that nature. So that's, that's while I'm not the one making the, the, um, the uh, paying the bankrolls I am, or paying the payroll, I, you know, I am cognizant of the fact that these need to be met. In our organization, everybody's pulling in the same direction and it really is a team, you know, not no one person can do everything. And so we do all work together. We're, we're a well-oiled machine, and everybody has um, their various responsibilities, and everybody does it really well. Um, that just happens to be mine is to try to generate the revenues. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for doing it. Hey, man, uh, the things I'll do for a free lunch. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, man, you're welcome. And that'll do it. Thanks so much to JR for coming on the show and talking about his occupation. I think he had a lot of great answers to, you know, what does it mean to him to be a successful salesman? Uh, I love hearing about how he got into sales and how he decided when he was a little kid to do all those jobs for people. And he could kind of see that, oh, wow, you know, maybe being a sales guy is actually could be a future for him. And and I also love just talking to JR. He's such a funny dude, and he's always got good jokes and keeps me laughing. So uh, if you're interested in being a sales engineer, don't be afraid to email me at occupationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's occupationpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions about what that occupation is or if you want to come on the show and talk about your occupation, you can email me there as well. Be sure to follow us on all the social medias at O Nation Podcast. Again, that's at O Nation Podcast. And share this thing with your friends. Let's get the word out there. Let's help as many people as we can. So, at the end of the day, maybe, just maybe, sales engineer is the occupation that you've been looking for. Thanks, and we'll see you on the next one.